On the resurrection morning when all the dead in Christ shall rise, I'll have a new body. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. Eternal soul in weakness, raised in power, ready to live in paradise. I'll have a new body. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. I'll have a new home. Glory, glory. With the redeemed of God. Never there'll be no more sorrow. No, no more pain. There'll be no more strife. strife. Yes, raising the likeness of my sightness. Ready to live. I'll, I'll be glad. glad. I'll have a new body. Praise the Lord. I'll have a new life. Eternal. Free. Imperfection, youthful and happy, I shall be. I'll have a new body. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. Glorified with Him forever, death will be lost in victory. I'll have a new body. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. Oh, yes, I'll have a new home. Glory, glory, with the redeemed, never sad. No more pain, there'll be no more strife. Yes, raising the likeness of my sightness. Ready to live, I'll be glad. I'll have a new body. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. Eternal life. Oh, hallelujah, morning when the last trump of God shall sound. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life, eternal grace, all bursting saints are shouting heavenly beauty all around. I'll have a new body, praise the Lord, I'll have a new life, oh yes, I'll have a new home, glory, glory, glory. with the reading of God to stand. No more pain, there'll be no more strife. Yes, raising the likeness of this likeness. Ready to live, I'll be glad. I'll have a new body. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. Good morning, good evening, wherever you may be. Welcome to the Passion for Christ show. So glad to have you, friends. I'm your host, Bruce Kessler, and I just want to let you know that I'm part of the greatest movement ever, follower of Jesus Christ, because you see in him I find peace, joy, happiness, forgiveness, and blessed beyond measure more than I could ever deserve, folks. My goal here is very simple. That is to encourage you, friend, along the way to help you find your passion in life in Jesus Christ. Upcoming in our study segment, James chapter 4. So get your Bibles ready for that. but. Before then, we got a few things along the way. And the first is Headline News. Well, get this. You won't believe this. Ohio's Republican Governor Mike DeWine signed a new bill into law prohibiting public officials from shutting down houses of worship across the state despite the COVID-19 pandemic. That's right, folks. Legislation House Bill 272 will go in effect in mid-December. 
In March, DeWine stated that he did not plan on calling for houses of worship to be shut down. He did, however, postpone the state's March primaries, a move that earned him widespread criticism. Under the new legislation, postponement of elections will not be permitted. Senator Terry Johnson, sponsor of the bill, explained that he's thankful that the state is protecting religious freedom unlike other states that have imposed forced closures on religious communities. During the COVID-19 pandemic, we've seen several states encroach on Americans' First Amendment right of worship and assembly disregarding it completely by forcing the closure of places of worship and religious institutions. While I am thankful that no such order was imposed in Ohio, this amendment is a preemptive step should we ever find ourselves in this situation again. There you go, folks. There you go. Ohio governor signs bill banning officials from closing houses of worship. Get that, folks. Get that. What's incredible about all that is the need to even come up with a bill or law for that purpose at all is just so uh, outrageous. <laughs> now, you won't believe this, man. Listen to this. On Saturday, last Saturday, close to 1,000 people were baptized at Corona Del Mar State Beach in Newport Beach by Calvary Chapel Church, Chino Hills. That's right, folks. Can you believe that? Chino Director Gina Gleason noted that the record-setting number of baptisms on Saturdays exceeded the usual turnout, which is about 300 people per service. It's a remarkable and significant number. California may be experiencing a spiritual revival in an area known as Pirate Cove, Highlights of the event show thousands of people on the beach as others were baptized by the church staff and the preacher. Baptisms aside, the church has also experienced a significant amount of people throughout their services. For this church has been a crazy, amazing time. We're reaching the most amount of people ever with many thousands of people coming on Wednesdays and Sundays. Get that, folks. Can you believe that? California Church sees roughly 1,000 baptisms in one weekend. Woo! Hallelujah! 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 Well, get this, folks. Get this. It's kind of a sobering message, but it's also very positive in a way. CBS sportscaster James Brown says in a new interview that sports can play a role in addressing racial injustice throughout the country, but that the word of God is still the answer to the nation's problems. Can we get a get an amen on that one? Brown is a Christian and the host of CBS, the NFL Today. And uh, he adds that really at the end of the day, the word of God is still the answer. The real progress has been made whenever there is love, respect for humankind that undergirded those changes. And he mentions the love chapter of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Christians have an obligation to speak up for racial injustice, Brown said. Those of us 
who have a biblical and Christian perspective and the answer to it, then it's incumbent upon us to get off of the pews, out of the pews, and go outside and do what we can in our own sphere. If it's a 20-foot circle, if it's a global spectrum that you have, use that spectrum, use that sphere, use that platform, propagate, perpetuate, to teach and proclaim what the answer is. Mr. Pandemic and Social Upheaval Brown said that his comfort is knowing that God's word is true. There you go, folks. There you go. Isn't that amazing? CBS sportscaster James Brown on racial divisions, the word of God is still the answer. And he has some fine points indeed. Indeed, folks. We have an obligation if we know the truth and it can set people free. We need to be there and speak up for the power of God's word and the answer to hate and division. Amen. All right. That's our headline news for this broadcast. And now this day in church history. In 1630, on this day, George Herbert is ordained as a Church of England priest. Three years later, he will be dead of tuberculosis, but on his sickbed will have written timeless religious poems. 1853, James Hudson Taylor sets sail from England for China, where he will found the China Inland Mission, a faith ministry. Amen. 1854, death of George Arthur, penal reformer in Tasmania. And finally on this day in church history, in 1874, attending a prayer meeting in Dunedin, New Zealand, Florence Young is terrified at the thought of Christ's second coming until suddenly... She realized that the promise of Isaiah 43:25 applies to her. I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for my own sake. Thereafter, she is able to serve the Lord with gladness and eventually will be instrumental in founding and operating the South Sea Evangelical Mission. Amen, folks. And that's this day in church history. And now, folks, we have a little bit of fun. A little bit of fun in Name That Bible Character. All right, today we have something a little bit different here. Name That Character. We're going to give you two choices in the answer. Who does Joseph correctly predict will be killed by Pharaoh? Pharaoh's butler or Pharaoh's baker? Here's the clue one more time. Who does Joseph correctly predict will be killed by Pharaoh? Pharaoh's butler or Pharaoh's baker? We'll reveal the answer to this tantalizing clue 
following our study segment, so stay tuned for that exciting reveal. And our final segment of Name That Bible Character. Well, folks, get your Bible up, get your cup of coffee. I have mine right here. Amen. Glory. Hallelujah. And we'll have a study in James chapter 4. So turn with me there in James chapter 4. And we're going to start there in verse 1. James chapter 4, if you're with me, in verse 1. So James starts out by asking this question. He says, where do wars and fights come from among you? But he's just asking, where does it come from? How is it possible that this is coming among Christians of all things? And he answers his own question by saying, do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? There are a lot of squabbles and fightings, not just in the world. It's mirroring the world, that's for sure. But it's also infiltrated in the church and the church family. And you see it through the pride and selfishness and the desires for pleasure, he says. And it all root is deeply rooted in the fruit that is born of the flesh. In Galatians chapter 5, 19 and 21 you know, there he lists several words that are the result of the fruits of the flesh. Uh, hatred, contentions, and envy, and strife, and anger. All of those elements are the opposite of a Christian. Are the opposite of the Spirit of God. Is the opposite of the fruit of the Spirit. And James is... Reminding them of the terrible truth that the severity of what is going on. And he uses words like wars and fights. The war that's going on in your soul and in your mind and in your members. Verse 2 he says, you lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask, in verse 3, and do not receive. Why? Because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses. These are harsh terms. A harsh way of putting it in their attitude and their actions and their behavior. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? It cannot agree. It cannot happen. It cannot coexist. Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Woo! Some hard, hard words. James is telling these folks here that, that your battles and your wars and your in-house fighting and your frustration and hatred of one another... It's tantamount to murder. You remember John and 1 John there tells us that. In 1 John chapter 3, he says, He who does not love his brother abides in death, and whoever hates his brother is a murderer. This is how serious it is. 
They had more in common with the world than with Christ. How about you, friend? What about your church family? What is their attitude? What is the spirit that's there? What is your spirit? What does the world see? What does your children see? What does your friends see? What does your visitors see when they come in? What do they witness? What happens in a business meeting? What happens whenever you meet and have a study? Do things get contentious? Do you get frustrated? you get easily aggravated? Because you can't win your argument? And you're frustrated and you're angry? James is not worried about who's right and who's wrong and who's winning the argument. He is worried about their behavior, their contentious spirit, their selfish, critical, hateful, bitterness attitude. All the result of the war in your members. All the result of the fruit of the flesh. Now, did you read with me, friend, the fact that he mentions here some you do not haves? I call these you do nots. He says, you do not have because of your selfish desires. You cannot obtain because you are filled with hate and that you covet things that you shouldn't be coveting after. You do not have because you don't ask. And when you do ask or when you do pray, he says it's all about you, 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 and how you can spend it on your pleasures and what you can get out of things. Because you are filled with unhealthy desires, selfishness and pride. How do we solve strife and anger and contentions? Or do you not think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealousy? What, is, what does he mean? He's basically saying, God is looking for your full devotion of your heart. It's just that simple. Friend, are you giving God your full devotion? If you're not, that's where the problem begins, right? Verse 6. But he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the hearer. God resists. Imagine yourself uh, facing a, a general with a massive army a line against you. That's what happens when you're filled with pride. When all you got is that ammo of selfishness, selfish ambitions. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the hearer. He gives us the key here, but he gives grace to the humble. You see, it's that humility, that humbleness that defeats wars, that defeats contentions. Our willingness, it's a decision that we must make. He says that, that, that he gives more grace to the same spirit that convicts us of our sins, the same spirit that convicts us of compromise, the same spirit that convicts us of being friends of this world, that same spirit also gives Grace and willing to put us in that position to receive that great gift. 
And the only way we can get into that position is by humbling ourselves. And that's really where it all begins. That resolution to the problem of selfishness and pride and anger and hatred. He continues. Verse 7, he says, Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Resist the devil. First, submit to God. That's the first step. Submit to God in humility. Humble yourself. Then, resist or stand against the devil's intimidation. Stand against the devil's deceit. So one, you begin with humility. You turn to God. And number two, you submit to him and resist all efforts by the devil to draw you back into the world. All right, verse 8, James chapter 4. We're getting some really important information here on how to defeat anger and frustration, contentions and strife, fightings and wars. Verse 8, he says, Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. You see, this is what God wants. He wants that kind of special relationship, friend. Do you have that kind of special relationship where you are drawing near to God? How do we draw near to God? Well, you come to Him in total humility. You come to Him in full repentance. And that's what He means in these next few phrases and statements. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Nothing about contentions. Nothing about strife. Nothing about anger. Nothing about hatred. Invites or brings any kind of fruit of God. In fact, it's all an image. It's all a mirror image of what the world is right now. And God says, I have nothing with that, but I will give you grace if you're humble. I'll give you grace if you're just willing to submit to me. I'll give you grace if you resist the devil. I'll, I'll give you a special relationship if you just draw near to me. It's so important that we recognize where we are and where we stand and the seriousness of our sin. That's why he uses these words. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify hearts, you double-minded. Lament, mourn, and weep. That's how serious this is. Verse 10, he concludes with this. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He will lift you up. Amen? God will lift you up. This is what God wants. That kind of special Relationship. Amen. Do you have that kind of special relationship? All right, let's go over what we learned. Number one, humility. Be humble. Submit to God. Resist the devil. Draw near to him and he will draw near you. That's his promise to you. Have you done it yet? Do it now and you'll see a big change, not only in your behavior, but in the behavior of those around you. Amen, folks. Amen. Amen. James chapter 4 there in those first 10 verses. Boy, it really shows us some really tough things about ourselves. And uh, 
It's all about humility. It's all about turning to God. It's all about letting Him be Lord and Savior and King of our lives. Amen, folks. Whew, some powerful words there by James. Well, now, folks, we have the conclusion to name that Bible character. All right, folks, here was the clue. Who does Joseph correctly predict will be killed by Pharaoh? Pharaoh's butler or Pharaoh's baker? What is the answer? Pharaoh's baker. Genesis 40:22. He hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Who does Joseph correctly predict will be killed by Pharaoh? Pharaoh's baker. And name that Bible character. Well, folks, you too can become a follower of the greatest movement ever, a follower of Jesus Christ by submitting to him in repentance and baptism, and you will receive peace, joy, happiness, and you will be blessed beyond measure, more than you ever could imagine and deserve, folks. My goal here has been very simple. That is to encourage you along the way and help you find your passion in life in Jesus Christ. Go to our website, normanchurch.com, normanchurch.com. And I just wanted to say thank you for walking alongside with me on this show today. May God bless you. I am so happy now. You may be asking how. Nothing will keep me down because my heart is safe and sound. Oh, how my Lord was strong, my Lord was true. Even when life seemed, life seemed dark and no one could take from me. No one's the gift that set me free. Jesus has given me His wonderful grace, you see. Jesus died for me. So I sing this song because I'm looking to eternity. Once I was lost in sin, no one would take me in. I was beyond repair, and oh, my life was in despair. Oh, how my Lord was true, my Lord was true. Even when life seemed, life seemed dark, and no one could take from me. No one changed the gift that set me free. Jesus has given me, given me His wonderful grace. Jesus, Jesus died for so me. So I sing this song because I'm looking to eternity. Jesus has given, given me, me His wonderful grace. Jesus, Jesus died for me. So I sing this song because I'm looking to eternity. I am so happy now. So you may be asking how. Nothing will keep me down because my heart is safe and sound. Oh, how my Lord is true, my Lord is true. Even when life seemed, life seemed dark and no one can take from me. No 